The members of the Uncontrolled Airspace podcast are participating as private individuals. Their comments do not necessarily reflect the views of the various organizations they work with. Also, anything you hear on this podcast that sounds like advice on aircraft operation is obviously very general. You should always consider your own situation, remember your training, and fly the airplane. But you knew that. You know, I'm already doing a lot of different things to reduce my carbon emissions. Um, I'm eating fewer beans, for one thing. And and we are all <laughs> thankful for that. And do you get a tax break for that, Dave? Uh, it, well, it's not like putting up storm windows or buying a Prius, no. Uh, but I, I can get a one cent per bean carbon offset break. <laughs> that's that's apparently the way it's all supposed to work, right? <laughs> but the the, the uh, Kansas and uh, Western Missouri air quality boards have not yet completed their studies. Okay. Well, and you got to remember, we're downwind from Texas. I see. Okay. So let's just hope we don't have any listeners in Texas here, because you know we've started recording, right? I had a feeling. Yeah. Okay. If you listen carefully, you hear the little timer beep. But uh, anyway, no, no, I, 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 I kind of got a hint when you. When you let me go on with my my uh, my uh, endorsement of uh, of reducing your carbon footprint through fewer beans, <laughs> that's right. That's where I figured I'd pick it up right in there someplace. <laughs> we'll find out later on. So uh, that was that was Higdon H I G D O M. So Dave, so Jeb, you just be quiet for a few minutes. Dave, it's snowing down there too. Uh, not right now. It, it uh, it's been snowing here since it's like seven o'clock in the evening right now. And uh, it's been snowing since noon. There's about six or seven inches of snow on the ground, and it hasn't even slowed down. It's supposed to snow till about midnight. So uh, that's our tomorrow night picture. Yeah, it's, well, uh, six six to eight inches uh, starting tomorrow evening. And, and then they're telling us this is actually just dress rehearsal for the big storm, which is coming on the weekend. So, well, and we're just doing a fitting here. That's right. So apparently, you know, after we do the fitting, we're going to send it on to you for the big show. As my neighbor said when I was out shoveling the driveway just a few minutes ago, what happened to global warming? I don't understand. You see, now that, that belies a fundamental misunderstanding of the whole concept. Which is, now you've educated us about carbon offsets, now tell us about global warming. Well, you know, there's this, there's this tendency to confuse meteorology and climatology. Uh, okay, that, that's, that's the overblown way of saying there's weather and there's climate. Weather's what we have every day. Climate's what happens long term. I see, I see, and I see. Welcome, folks, to episode number 59 is... of Uncontrolled Airspace, the General Aviation Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> We're recording this episode on Wednesday evening, December 13th, 2007, and I'm trying to help you folks listening at home and in your cars. <laughs> and, and from... Powered by Boston Baked Beans, that's by the way. Right. And, yeah. and in our next episode, we are going to tell you where the weapons of mass destruction really were. That's right. So, uh, as you caught as you caught from our little introduction here, we're having some weather up here in uh, in uh, in Boston, and they just had some weather, and about to have some more weather in Wichita, but no weather in Sarasota. It's always beautiful in Sarasota, right? It's always sunny in Sarasota. I, I'm I'm not participating in any weather conversations during <laughs> this this particular episode. I'm just not going to do it. I don't think it would be appropriate. And um, let me hear you uh, say it. Not gonna do it. <laughs> not gonna go there. Not gonna happen. Let me say hi to the other folks who are here in the virtual hangar with me this evening. Uh, one of those voices out there is Dave Higdon. Dave is an aviation photographer, a senior editor for Kit Planes Magazine, and the U.S. editor for London's World Aircraft Sales Magazine. And he's talking to us from Wichita, Kansas. Hiya, Dave. 
I'm doing good, Jack, Jeb, everybody. Good evening. Uh, been quiet in the air around here this uh, last few days. Uh, Is that because of the weather? Or? Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I mean, with uh, uh, sleet and freezing rain Saturday and then a major ice storm from Texas through uh, Nebraska and, and, and uh, Missouri and Illinois uh, about 36 hours ago, Uh you know we've we've had uh, extensive periods of don't go there weather where not even the uh, air transport aircraft were moving exactly on schedule or in the right direction yeah yeah we're having, we're up in the storm up here so my dad i stayed home I and mean, i went out this morning before it snowed and bought provisions and uh, figured i'm just going to hunker down in front of my computer screens for 2 days but my dad had to go out and do an errand and uh, it took him a drive that normally takes him an hour it took him 4 hours this afternoon uh, wow because the highways were just slow and backed up and it was pretty ugly also out there this evening in the virtual hangar is Jeb Burnside Jeb is an aviation journalist currently serving as editor in chief of aviation safety magazine he's and also chief snowplow driver for the city of Sarasota <laughs> and he's also a contributing editor to Avweb Biz and he's talking to us from beautiful Sarasota Florida hi Jeb how you doing I'm fine, Jack and Dave. Good evening to you and, and to all of our listeners. I, I will simply say that I um, had, got an email earlier today, kind of a part of a back and forth exchange between myself and Rick Reynolds, of uh, uh, the the editor of, uh, at uh, Air Venture today, for whom we've all worked for several years. And it just kind of in passing, he wrote that it was 28 degrees. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I wrote him back, and I said, "Well, it's 23 here." I said, oh, wait, you meant meant Fahrenheit, didn't you? You son of a gun. That's just mean. That that was mean. I I debated even doing that, but uh, he won't get it till tomorrow, and that'll be the first thing he sees when he comes in, and uh, it was appropriate. Winter's sort of taking hold up there, too, I think, from what I've read. Maybe get the ski plane fly in this year. That'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah, they had, had, you know, talking about climate change, they, they... they weren't able to have that last year. Yeah, for a number of years now, there's been barely enough snow or no snow at all, and they've had to re- repurpose the thing and turn it into some other sort of gathering. But uh, before we go on, I am Jack Hodgson. I'm a private hey. pilot, a freelance writer, and a new media producer up here in snowy Boston, Massachusetts. You're like 10 for 10 now, Jack. I know. I'm getting better at it. I, uh, you know, I write myself great big notes. I get little sticky Post-it notes. Hanging, I'm going to hanging from my right computer screen. Yeah, I, I, I've got posted notes intro. on my screen too. One one of them is um, a list of firearms that I'm thinking about trying to buy. Another one is a motorcycle part I need. So you know, it's priorities. You live, a, yeah, okay. <laughs> so and I get a sticky note down on the end of my glasses. It says, "Don't forget your Scotch glass." Ah, uh, that's right. Is well, that we're dr- is that we're drinking tonight? That's what we're drinking tonight. Uh, see, I just I've, got, I've, I've got my maker's mark here in my hand. Uh, so I'm just yeah, doing. I'm just one doing, of the reasons I'm kind of feeling mellow tonight. Ah, uh, yes. I just, I just have water, but mm. it's getting to that holiday season where mellow is a good thing. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Mm. So, so what's going on here? Let's see now. Uh, first thing I wanted to touch on. So, Jeb, and, and this is yours. I didn't warn you about this coming in, but this is yeah. this is yours because you brought this up last uh, last episode. You suddenly announced that we had a trivia contest going on, and yeah. you, you asked us all who Gloria Winters is or uh-huh. was. And now I have to tell you this: we actually didn't get anybody. Just it's such no, a, no one no one chimed in on this. No huh? one no one offered an answer to this. So I don't know whether you just kind of want to you know, close it out and tell us, or whether you want to let it go another episode. Well, well we were inviting the readers to come in, and that that's what I kept. Yeah, 
well, the episode is only, as we speak, the episode's only been out there for a few days. So that's maybe, true. Yeah. That's true. Maybe we now, little- now we we talked about this offline. So I mean, the three of us know who she was. Oh yeah, uh, is is slash was. I, I I don't you know yeah. I mean, but here here's the punch or here, here's the question: What <laughs> uh, do we do for someone who comes up with the correct answer? My my suggestion last week, of course, was a free subscription to Uncontrolled Airspace podcast, but somehow I don't think that that is commensurate with uh, uh, the um, um, discovery. No, that's true. Of the that's, true. To this. that's not that's not uh, about, uh, match about, the level of trivia knowledge. No, uh, how about three days all expenses paid in Sarasota, Florida? <laughs> It was I your idea, might, Jeb. I, I mean, that, you came up with this whole contest thing. So. Yeah, I, I think that might swing the pendulum too far in the other direction, Jeb. <laughs> okay. Driving the airport snow truck. <laughs> All right. Well, I tell you what. Let's give our listeners another week to uh, kind of you know give this some and, thought, and we will come up. I'll with give a, them a. I'll give them a free ride in my debonair. Um, if they can make we'll, it to some place where it's sitting on the ramp, if, we, if we, if can dig up a, we can dig up a logo coffee cup or uh, something like that. From, yeah, we uh, could do that. Well, uh, that's it. That's good. Dave, I'm uh, sorry, uh, Dave. Uh, you th- an, un- an uncontrolled airspace coffee mug to the to yeah. the first person um, by time date stamp on the email um, to give us the correct answer. There you go. Okay. And it, it's not. This is not rocket science, folks. I mean, it's a Googleable thing and. And, uh, um, okay, Gloria that's all I'm going to say. Gloria Winters, okay. Gloria Winters. One bit of news over the last week is that the uh, Red Baron Squadron, um, which is a, a great air show act, uh, four, I believe, oh. four Stearman, and uh, have uh, the Red Baron Pizza was the title sponsor of this uh, squad and that has decided to uh, shut down the operation, I guess. I don't Curses. Know whether they've made a strategic change in their in their promotion policy, or or they aren't selling enough pizza, or whatever, but somebody told me it was heavy lobbying on the behalf of the Snoopy Squadron. But oh, I see. So, well, well, but that kind of leads me to my question. First of all, it's sad that they're going to be gone. Anybody who didn't ever had a chance to see these folks, it was one of the you know more distinctive acts that that's out there. It's just. I, I always enjoyed it, anyways, and uh, and and those airplanes make such a great noise. That's that's good too. Oh yeah, love, love the sound of radials at full chat. Plus four of them, you know, when they kind of yeah. every and they kind of do this kind of thing where they get sometimes they'll get into this nice you know uh, frequency match. I don't know, there's probably a word for it, but they make a chord. They make a really great sound when they all kind of get get going in the same you know synchronized or whatever. I'm sure there's an audio guy out there. who will explain this to me, but uh, but it's if you never had a chance to see them, it's too bad. Uh, you. you, you it was. It's quite a sight, well, and quite a memory. Just because Red Baron isn't sponsoring them anymore doesn't mean that someone else might not. And, and that's my question. Act, and that's my question. Are you guys tuned into the to the scuttlebutt here? Um, do does does Red Baron Pizza actually own these aircraft, and they're going to like ground them, or are these are they just going to go out and find a new title sponsor? I, I, I can't imagine that they have that kind of investment. I, I would I would expect that they've contracted with someone, some group of people who. You know, went to the trouble to find the airplanes, redo them, paint them identically, et cetera, uh, and they're doing it under contract. Um, but um, you know, let me. I, I you know, I don't want to malign um, the company Red Baron uh, Pizza. I don't want to malign. I don't want to malign the uh, the advertising that they've done, and I don't want to malign the uh, uh, the people involved with the Red Baron Squadron. But here's my question. 
is Red Baron pizza like a frozen pizza or is it a chain that you go out and, and sit in a restaurant? Because I've never heard of them other than this particular act. Well, this is Grocery quite a common. Store. This is quite Grocery a commentary store. on the value of sponsoring an air show act, isn't it? Well, I've heard of them vis-a-vis the air show act. Okay, okay. But so it, it, that in Chip's, and of itself Chip's means not a fair gauge because no. when Cheb Cheb goes to these shows, he's not going like the tourists go. I don't go like the tourists go. Right. You know, I don't want to make this sound like you know. Uh, I don't want anybody to take the word tourist in the wrong way. But because of what we do for a living, going to air shows is a lot of what we do for a living. And if you've never had an occasion to cover the Red Baron Pizza Squadron or, you know, actually get to spend like the like like the, the, the fine folks that attend air shows, actually spend a day just watching the air show and, you know, getting the handout pictures and going by their booth and all this stuff that we don't do when we're working, you might not know. Uh I didn't realize that it was a connection between the Red Baron Squadron and Red Baron Pizza uh, until about, oh, I don't know, uh, 16 years ago, 17 years ago, when they came through Wichita uh, to fly at a local event. And they were doing uh, uh, VIP rides, and they were doing charity rides through the week and, and media rides. And uh, being the aviation reporter at the time at the Wichita Eagle, I drew the straw to go do the you know, the media ride, uh, which was great fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we were actually out there doing four-plane formation stuff with, uh, you know, passengers in all four airplanes. Now, not all the real tight, crazy stuff like they do at the air show. Uh, but that's when I got a press kit and, you know, how Schwann Foods had been sponsoring them for since, what, well, 28 years ago. What would that make it? Uh, uh, 79? And uh, uh, all the shows that they'd flown, all the rides that they'd given, uh, most of the time a, a corporate sponsor doesn't own the aircraft or, or the team. The team exists on the basis of the sponsorship, but they own the aircraft. Uh, they hire the pilots. They're responsible for maintenance and insurance, and they paint the names on the side and wear the uniforms. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that that's the case here, which would improve the odds of the uh, of the team and the airplanes uh, finding another sponsor. And that could be something that's in discussion uh, uh, this month when the International Council of Air Shows convention goes on. Well, yeah, I was just going to mention that. It, didn't that actually just happen? Wasn't that where this announcement took place? I or, or, didn't realize that it no, happened at the. I didn't think it happened the, at ICAST. That's where the Thunderbirds announcement. That's came from. what I. Heard. That's the story yes. I heard. We'll come to the Thunderbirds, right. but it, the the International Council of Air Shows, uh, the basically the Air Show Convention. Have you guys the, ever been to that? I always thought that would be a great show oh, to yeah. go to. Have you been? I've, I've never I've been. been. Jeb, you say you have or you haven't? I, I, I'm saying I'm not, but while, while, I, while I can, I want to interject something. I, I didn't – I think my comments earlier might have been misconstrued. I'm not saying that I've never heard of Red Baron Pizza. What I'm saying is I don't know enough about them, and I have heard of them, but only as a result of the Red Baron Squadron. Ah, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. So the advertising yeah, really is excellent, right? Way but now. I've never seen a Red Baron product is what I'm getting at, a restaurant gotcha. or some, something in a freezer case at my local grocery store. Yeah. So I don't know enough about the product to know, you know how I should go about patronizing them. Well, I'm looking at their website right this minute, and it is apparently frozen for pizza. Um, they have all sorts of different kinds. And, but looking at their website, the, the, uh, 
the uh, airplane squadron is very, very tightly integrated with the product strategy here. I mean, they actually have a, as, they have a museum, be, and I can't quite figure out if it's a pizza museum or a red, or an airplane museum. But they actually have a museum and a hangar, and uh, it's an in-flight meal museum. <laughs> oh. You know, have you ever tried to eat pizza at the top of a loop? Yeah, it's the, it's the pepperonis it's just fall all over the. No, no, right. no, no, you know, no. Bob Hoover showed us how to pour pour a glass of water. Yeah, so, dude, do you think I can fly an airplane like Bob Hoover? <laughs> I guess not. We're just amazed that you've got a license, let alone. Fly I know. Like Bob I know. It's, it's the FAA has a great sense of humor sometimes when you really think about it. Well, we know we know so. I got a license too. Uh, anyway, it's kind of it's kind of a sad. Uh, it's kind of a sad piece of news to hear uh the, i mean if uh, they're truly gone it's really sad because it's a great act and we, we hope something comes back up for them after uh, 28 years 2,000 air shows eighty thousand rides uh a number of awards for uh flying in the air show business uh and 42 different pilots through all those years yeah. uh, plus all uh-huh. the, the maintenance guys and support staff and um we, we we hope to see him back on the circuit, uh, you know, whatever the logo is. Yeah, uh, yeah. And it won't stop me from from occasionally buying Red Baron pizza when, uh, like tonight, dinner's going to come late and I'm lazy. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> on a- in, other words, in other words, like, you know, tomorrow. And the night after. That's and right. the night after that. That's right. That's right. On a, on a much more somber note, um, I, I want to kind of slow things down here for a second. Um, last spring, the Uncontrolled Airspace podcast attended the Sun and Fun Fly-In down in Florida, where we recorded one of our episodes. While there, we were the guests of Sun and Fun Radio, and specifically their chairman, David Schalbetter. Uh, in addition to being a generous host, David appeared on the podcast that we recorded down there. Three weeks ago, David's brother, Dale, was killed when the Mooney he was piloting crashed while he was trying to make an instrument landing at Fort Myers, Florida. The NTSB is still investigating this accident, and when their report is issued, we will try to take some lesson from this horrible tragedy. But on behalf of the entire UCAP gang, I want to say that our thoughts and prayers are with Dave, all of the Schalbetter family, and their friends, and we send them our sincerest condolences. I don't know what you guys, if you want to add anything to that, but a uh, very, very sad thing to have that happen. You know, it's always sad, but when you have a connection to the person that you read about, it's uh, it's particularly sad. Dave, you know, Jeb and I met Dave Shellbetter for the first time when we were down there last spring, but you've known David for some time now. I'm uh, pushing 25 years, and uh, since uh, some of my earliest days at, at Sun and Fun, when he was one of the uh, quote-unquote news hounds, that uh, the volunteers that staff the media center, uh, and uh, he moved from there to chairing the radio station. Uh, the year that they brought in a radio station and started to make something of it, uh, no Dave and his mom and, and stepdad and his other brother Michael and his sisters and and uh, I knew Dale and, and Uncle Al and his family and uh, I've camped with him and, and uh, shared broken bread with him and uh, Dave and, and, and the family lost his father uh, in an air crash years ago. His father was uh, an air show performer and uh, uh, you know, I just hate to see something like this happen. I know Dale was a, a serious pilot, ran his own business, used the Mooney uh, uh, 
like so many of us do, uh, as uh, a convenient way to travel on business and as a, uh, a, a more friendly way to, to travel on family on tra- family trips. And uh, we, uh, we've talked to Dave since then, and uh, his, his mom and stepdad are, are, are bearing up as is the rest of the family. Uh, it was kind of a tragic uh, convergence of events that uh, Dale and his wife and family were hosting a Thanksgiving gathering just a couple of days after the accident, and people had already started to come in from out of town to participate in that gathering. And, and uh, so the family was largely already gathered in South Florida when this happened. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's one of those vague silver linings that about the only one I, I can find in this. But we wish everyone well. Uh, you know, Dave is, uh, and, and the family are, are bearing up as best they can. Uh, some of the family had to learn about this in, an, in, in a, not the greatest circumstances through the uh, uh, heartless calls of journalists claiming to just be doing their job. Yeah. And uh, as a journalist, I, I, I understand some of what the position the journalists are in, but I don't think they understand anything about being on the other side of that table and uh, hated to hear about that. So we wish him well, and uh, we hope for a speedy conclusion of the investigation so we can understand how this could have happened to a, a, an excellent pilot and a great guy. Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't know um, Dale. I, I knew I know David only from our interaction uh, last year at Sun and Fun. Um, Jack, you, you nailed it when you said he was a gracious host. Uh, um, here we are running around like chickens with our heads cut off, having never done any of this before, and and uh, David was literally the, the, the calm center of, uh, of a, uh, a widening storm. Um, very professional and uh, um, uh, one of the high spots of, of uh, our career here with UCAP. And uh, um, just, just, you know, good people all the way around. And to have anything uh, bad happen to good people is always a tragedy. When something like this happens to good people, it's an especially uh, uh, heart-rending event, and uh, we are we are very saddened, and uh, um, our, our condolences and our support and uh, all of that go out to the family. And if there is anything that we can do, um, I'm I'm optimistic that, that Dave or someone from his family will contact us. Yes, absolutely. Moving on, uh, let's see now. Over the last couple of episodes, we've been talking about uh, airport restaurants that we've enjoyed over time, and we invited listeners to uh, to write in and tell us about their favorite uh, airport restaurants. And uh, I guess it must take it must be about like an, a, a week and a half lag here because we didn't get any initially after after asking this question on the podcast, but now an episode later we got a handful here. So let me share with you some of the uh, listener mail we got regarding airport restaurants. Chris from Texas writes in. He says uh, James, referring to James Winbrandt, our, our colleague. James needs to know about the perfect landing cafe on Sky Acres 
Airport in Millbrook, Millbrook, New York. It's 4-4 November. He says this little airport just east of, east of Poughkeepsie is worth seeing all by itself. He says it's a converted dairy farm, and the FBO, Pilot Shop, and Cafe are in the restored dairy barn. Hmm, so, how cool. That sounds, yeah. like, that sounds like a cool place to check out, and apparently it's got a good restaurant, too. So that's uh, Sky Acres Airport in Millbrook. The restaurant's called The Perfect Landing Cafe, 4-4 November. All these links will be in the show notes, so you can check that. That's from Chris from Texas. Thank you, Chris. The second one we got was from Bob, who... Now, Bob gives us a bunch of restaurants scattered all over America, but he's not, he's not very, very clear on where he's from. So I can't say Bob from a state, so, but he does call. He does identify himself. More important, he, he'd, he'd have told us, but he'd have to kill you. Yeah. I was going to say, he keeps moving. Well, more important to him, apparently, than where he lives is his airplane, because he signs his note, Bob, 76 Cardinal Owner. So, uh, so, <laughs> so we're going to call him Bob the Cardinal Owner. And, Great uh, airplane. Bob writes, I've been a UCAP listener for several months and enjoy it very much. The crew does a great job. You've been talking about your favorite airport restaurants occasionally, and here are a few of my favorites. The first he writes about is the 94th Aero Squadron, which is at uh, Van Nuys in California. It's, this is actually a semi-chain. Um, there's a handful of these around the country. I, yeah. This is one I, I had been, been kind of racking my brain trying to remember where it was I went to a 94th Aero Squadron, and I don't think it was Van Nuys. I think it was someplace up in, in northern California, like Santa Rosa or something, and it's gone now, apparently. But yeah. uh, there, there, there used to be one at the College Park, Maryland Airport. I believe I there know. still is. I was there. looking at the 94th Aero Squadron yeah. website. Site, and I believe that's one of the ones that was listed. There seems to be three left, and uh, but the I've one been that he, to the one at Van Nuys, it's nice. But the one that he writes about is at Van Nuys, which is a Victor November Yankee, and uh, Van Nuys is a great airport all by itself. Oh yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, Van Nuys is of course the subject of the great documentary One Six Right, which was the DVD high def DVD movie thing that came out a few years ago. And uh, if you I've had a friend with a little business there. He's he's been quite partial to it over the years. Yeah, Van Nuys. It's a, it's a great airport. I've landed there a couple of different times on trips down to the LA area. So that's the 94th Aero Squadron. Bob also writes about a restaurant called Solos, which is at Colorado Springs, Charlie Oscar, Oscar Sierra. And uh, Solos uh, is, he says, the restaurant is inside a KC-97 tanker. And he sends me a, an email, a link to uh, to uh, their website where they have a picture of this uh, aircraft sitting out in the front yard. And uh, um, so that sounds like a fun one. Um, we're going to we come back. We hope they serve better than in-flight food. <laughs> yeah. we're gonna, especially the kind of food you'd get in a KC-97 tanker. Although you probably get better food in a military probably aircraft can, yeah. than you do in a, yeah. in a commercial well, you, airline. You just bring it with you. You, know, you, go, to the, you, go, you go get a you know, Red Baron pizza at the grocery store, <laughs> and, and, you, and, and you cook it in the onboard galley, and, and uh, it's hot and fresh. And, uh, uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> We're, interestingly, we're going to come back to Colorado Springs in a second, but that's Solos uh, at Colorado Springs. Then Bob goes on to point out a restaurant called Perfect Landing at uh, Centennial Airport in Denver. Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. Is that wait, wait, wait. There's Perfect Landing twice here? This concept of Perfect Landing restaurants. Yeah. We've got one, we've got one outside Poughkeepsie. And then we've got one wherever the second one. Oh, is, look at right? that! I didn't make that connection. Oh, see, there's so many connections. I think this is three different people. I'm trusting that this is email from three different people. Anyways, the perfect landing at Centennial Airport in Denver, um, Alpha Papa Alpha, uh, and then fi- uh, and then the 
next to last one he talks about is called the Overlook Cafe at Santa Barbara. Overlook? Overlook. 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 Overlook Cafe at Santa Barbara. Uh, Sierra Bravo Alpha. Um, Santa Barbara is a cool airport to go fly into if you're out on the West Coast. It's obviously right out there on the ocean. It's a spectacularly gorgeous part of the country. And uh, um, we used to go down there, fly down there for the $100 hamburger to eat a place called the Elephant Bar Restaurant, I think is what it was called. Um, But now there's apparently a place called the Overlook Cafe. And then finally he goes into some detail on his last one. He says, not quite an airport restaurant, but fun, is Madeline Island, Wisconsin, a few miles off the mainland. I looked it up. This is actually in Lake Superior. Superior. Um, It's near Ashland, Wisconsin, he writes. He says, it's a nice airport. Uh, The code is 4ROMEO5. He says, the local motorbike shop will come pick you up at the field. And there are several nice restaurants in the town overlooking the bay. He says, after our motorbike tour of the island, the store owner was too busy to take us back to the airport. So he lent us his truck and had us tuck the keys in the visor until he could pick it up later. Guess He says, I guess we pilots must look trustworthy. So those are a bunch of airport uh, suggestions from Bob, the cardinal cardinal owner. I can't talk tonight. It's obviously a higher class of pilots than the ones I hang around with. Yeah, so, yeah he certainly flogs that cardinal around the country. Too. Uh, yeah, right. Apparently, he's all over the place, huh? So that's Bob, the cardinal owner. And then finally, and uh, wait a minute, where is it here? Oh, man, I've lost it. I have so many windows on my machine here. There we go. This is William from Colorado. William is also from Colorado Springs. He says, hello, I want to tell you about an airport restaurant in my hometown. I live in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Now, I'm pretty sure this is different. I looked around and I tried to figure out whether maybe this was the same restaurant that uh, that uh, uh, that the other gentleman mentioned. But anyways, the uh, airport code is uh, KCOS. Uh, he says, this restaurant is not located on the property of the airport. It's about a half mile away from the local flight school. This restaurant is uh, part of the Radisson Restaurant, which is combined with a hotel. He says, what's very cool about this restaurant is that half of it is in the building and the other half is in a retired B-52. He says, yeah. the, the restaurant redid the airplane and put tables and benches inside it. He said, the cockpit is open for customers to look at, which is, he says, preferred by the children. He says uh, about three quarters of the airplane is outside and part of the wing. The props are located inside the building. Actually, B fifty two doesn't have props, does it? That's true. That's true. Are it located does. inside the building. You'll you'll see why this. It's understandable that he may be a little confused about this when I get to the punchline here. He says the food is very nice, and I would definitely recommend it to anyone. Then he goes on to say, I love the podcast. By the way, though, I have just started listening. Keep up the good work, and you guys are an encouragement. To me and my private pilot training, I am 13 years old, and it's hard to wait three more years to be allowed to solo. Keep up the good work. Okay. Tell Will- mom and dad to take you on vacation to Canada. That's right. William from Colorado as a, a listener and uh, and slowly working his way through his training. Well, William, William, thanks for writing, and you keep up the keep up the interest level and and uh, uh, keep us posted on how it goes. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, William, I mean, you know, in those three years, you should have enough time to be given check rides. So right. uh, uh, be, be patient because once you get there, you, know, you can move right into your instrument work. Or like I said, have mom and dad take you on vacation to Canada. You can get your ticket earlier up there. Mm-hmm. They won't recognize it down here, but you'd still have it. That's right. You still have bragging rights. Absolutely. So thanks for all those great restaurant ideas, uh, and uh, keep sending them in. We'd love to hear about more, and we'll uh, we'll talk about them here on the podcast. The other thing that we invited listeners to do, and this one didn't take uh, about a week. Actually, this guy got in touch with me like three days after the podcast went on the net and uh, had his ideas. And so uh, we invited uh, listeners to record their own versions of the opening disclaimer for the podcast. 
and uh, and I very quickly got one from Peter from California. Now, uh, uh, and I'm, I didn't actually use this one as the intro to today's episode, um, and that's because uh, you guys got a little. You encouraged them to be creative. All right. <laughs> oh, we've unleashed monsters. And and this one is very creative. We I can like only it. Hope. I like it, and I'll probably use it one of these days as the straight as the intro as the uh, disclaimer at the beginning of the podcast. But I figured the and, first time we have one from an outsider, it ought to be a little bit more traditional than this one. I'm going to play you guys about the first 15 seconds of this disclaimer here. So hopefully it's, it's longer than 15 seconds. Well, it's a discla- the disclaimer is about 13, well, 30, 30, 40 seconds long when you, you've never timed all it right. apparently, but uh, I'm not going to play it all because the most of it's just the disclaimer part. But anyways, just uh, let's see if you can hear this here. So here we go. Are you ready, Alvin? Alvin? Alvin! Okay. The members of the Uncontrolled Airspace Podcast are participating that's in all. private Indian Oh, that's, that's very good. That's very creative. So this yeah. is, uh, you know, this is in keeping with the with the. Uh, we're gonna keep talking here for a second, and see if we can catch the very end of it, which is a little bit cute too. But uh, this is from Peter from from California, and uh, I'm gonna save it, and I may use it sometime later on. But we're gonna have something a little bit more traditional. Here, listen to the end. And fly the airplane, but you knew that. And watch out for chipmunks on the runway. <laughs> so, that's uh, from Peter what? from. What, what, did he, what was that? He said, I, I missed... He said, and watch out for chipmunks on the runway. Uh, <laughs> that's good. That's good. I like that. So that's from Peter from California. Thank you, Peter. I appreciate that. Um, I very think... cool, Peter. I, thanks very, for very good the spirit. Very good effort. We, we will use it for real one of these days uh, when you least expect it. But uh, I think I probably wanted to make some of the first uh, outsider ones a little bit more traditional. So we're going to save that away. And uh, I think we'll put the te- we'll put I'll put the audio for the whole thing on the uh, as a blog entry on the website if anybody wants to just listen to the whole thing and uh, and uh, listen for it in a future UCAP episode. So a lot of feedback, a lot of uh, contact from listeners this week. It's been great. I we really appreciate that. Keep up the cards and letters coming in. Uh, send in your uh, disclaimers from the your versions of the opening of the show and tell us about your airport restaurants and and about your flying. We want to hear more it's, about it's, it. It's it's nice to know that it's not just voices in our head we hear when this plays. So <laughs> That's right. Well, no, we, we can't hear speak enough of those as it is. Yeah, I was going to say we can't speak for you. That's right. Let's see now. News. Aviation. Oh, yeah. Aviation news. We sometimes we talk oh, yeah. About we, we're supposed to be doing an aviation podcast. We've been talking about all kinds of air flying things here. We talked about uh, air restaurants and, and Red Baron Pizza squadrons. And uh, But here's a bit of news. Um, this is just strikes me as odd news. To, uh, actually, am I looking at the right story here? What was I going to talk about next? Uh, this is not the odd one, but this is this is also do the odd one since you oh, did. Let's the lead. do the odd one. Come on. Right. Yeah. The odd one is that the FAA announced in the last couple of weeks that they would like to get rid of some unnecessary uh, regulations that exist out there, and so they invited pilots to send in their suggestions for what what. FAA regulations were unnecessary. I don't have the website story in front of me. That's why I'm kind of babbling here. But uh, um, and my first comment to this was, well, if we get rid of all the useless FAA regulation, what would be we be left with? But, yeah, air traffic. Uh, but what do you know about this? What's the story? Well, um, it's it's kind of an annual thing. I won't say annual thing. It's it a is regular a periodical thing. It is a periodic years. thing. Uh, they've done this before. They did it. I want to say like ninety nine, two thousand, something like that. 
um, it's 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 kind of an exercise in futility in that uh, they're not going to do away with medical certificates. They're they're not going to eliminate you know oxygen rules or anything like that. Um, but if if there are some some antiquated uh, rules out there um, that uh, um, for one reason or another are in conflict or need to be modified or eliminated. Uh, in in your operations or operations about which you're familiar with which you're familiar, then yeah, that's a legitimate uh, uh, feed uh, source of feedback to the agency. They are, I think are are kind of sorta required by federal law to do this uh, periodically under you know some administrative procedures act amendment or something like that to Paperwork to uh, yeah uh, yeah re- review their their body of regulation and try to eliminate. Um, those regulations, which no longer antiquated, uh, superfluous, redundant, uh, or otherwise downright old, stupid. overlapping, or stupid. Yeah. yeah. Um, now you know, don't get your hopes up. Um, the the last it time they resulted, did this, it, it has yeah. resulted in some stuff going away in the past. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's not like they're going to eliminate class Bravo airspace. Well, so. You've said this, Dave. Can you give me an example of something that they might have gotten rid of that was unnecessary regulation? Oh. Sorry, put you on, put you on the spot, sport. Well, it's been it's like Jeb said. This is a periodic thing. I think the last time it was done was about a decade ago. And was it? And I could be wrong there too. So no, I don't remember anything yeah. off the top. Uh, All right. Well, I didn't realize they did this think, on a regular think, basis. It's just. Yeah, I think really the, the, the results of the last go-around had more to do with maybe consolidation or, or um, uh, restructuring. And I'm not suggesting, you know, a Part 61 rewrite or a Part 91 rewrite like did occur um, several years ago. Um, but, you know, they would take some regs and say, yeah, that, you know, we could. it's time to rethink, you know, how that applies in, in the real world today. Uh, and kind of rewrite it or, or rejigger it or you know link it to something else or something like that. It's it's a good exercise, um, and it, it it is it it does uh, make some sense and and kudos you know hats off to the agency for Absolutely. for doing this kind of thing. Yeah, uh, uh, you know the FAA is is uh, the uncontrolled airspace's uh, favorite aviation agency, and uh, we're happy that uh, um, um, they leave us alone as much as they do, um, but. Um, um, there's some good people over there. There's some really, you know, some pointy-headed bureaucrats also. But, you know, uh, right now this is the, this is the time where the good people uh, are really trying to do something uh, for uh, for the community, and uh, um, we should support them in this. Absolutely. And uh, if yeah. you look at if you look at the totality of the FARs, imagine. You know, if you will, trying to be a person that knows what's in all of them and how they interrelate. Mm-hmm. I don't think that person truly exists. Uh, I, uh, there are a lot of people that know a lot about the FARs and can cite chapter and verse and section and paragraph on certain things. Uh, but they tend to be specialized and tightly focused and mm-hmm. to turn loose to invite input from, you know, a million and a half Participants, pilots, mechanics, dispatchers, air traffic controllers. I'm not sure how much they want to hear from controllers, but nonetheless, you get the picture from everybody in in, in the community uh, to have a, a crack at this and say that we'll t- listen to your suggestions, we'll read your suggestions, and consider your suggestions uh, is 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 a good thing. Uh, 
first off, it helps keep some people there occupied, not doing other things that could be more damaging. Uh, <laughs> Always the idealist, Dave. Sna- snatching, snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. Uh, second, uh, you were worrying me there for a second, Dave, because I was going to say I'm the, I, the, the you're usually the cynic here, and that I was being the, the cynic. Cold and not, yeah, but the cold and snow eyes uh, has gotten to him. But the uh, the the the, uh, the agencies, like all federal agencies and state agencies and and city agencies and county agencies, uh, are much more adept at creating new things to deal with new situations than they are going back and rationalizing the disposition of things that you know no longer are, are, are really necessary. For example, I don't think the Consumer Product Safety Commission probably spends a lot of time or effort worrying about the safety and effectiveness of buggy whips. Uh, right. Now, but do they go maybe back and Department clean Department of Health and Human Services where the S&M community overlaps, but definitely not in this transportation <laughs> thing. So, I'm sorry, uh, Dave. Which, which community? That's <laughs> all. We're going to move on from this one now. God bless the FAA. They're trying to get rid of... Uh, of uh, Abs- absolutely. And that's how, that's how old stuff gets discovered. And somebody looks at it and goes, wow, why is this still on the books? Yeah. We shouldn't be even printing this every year. This is why I'm kind of curious about what laws they actually got rid of. I mean, was it like... Were it like you know laws regarding the okay. proper inspection of wing warping systems, or was I, it like I a real? Take, I will take that as a homework assignment. Okay, sounds and good. In a subsequent episode, I will report back. In all of your incredibly, you know, copious, copious free time, free time, exactly. Yeah. Right. So, anyways, but I, it did take about thirty minutes to an hour to figure all that out, but it's it's doable. So, Dave, here you go. You put things on the list without a link for us to figure out what it is you're talking about. So, uh, um, gifts for the pilot with everything. <laughs> well, there was no particular link, to, you know, to attach this to. And I, it, and, uh, I was thinking about the, uh, the, 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 the question occasionally comes along, you know, gee, I'm dating a pilot or I'm engaged to a pilot or uh, uh, I'm hanging out with a pilot and I'd like to get him, you know, an aviation gift. That uh, it's, it's, this is this is just bone simple, okay? Yeah. Free flying time. Say again. I'm sorry, you dropped out. You cut out. Free flying time. Free flying buy time. him a tank of gas. Yeah. Buy him a couple hours rental time on the at the at the FBO. It, it, it's a no brainer. Yeah. I, I was going to say being being willing to date a pilot in the first place was gift enough, but uh, I like yours. That's good. Yeah. So so make it make a little deposit at the FBO desk, right? For all for all the ingenues out there, there's a few things that you know we want to advise you not to get sent off looking for, because you're not going to find it at Sporties, and you're not going to find it at the local FBO or the pilot shop, and it's not going to be behind the counter at the little country airport. So take notes. First off, do not get told that your pilot friend would love. A carton of relative wind. <laughs> uh, first off, you know the National Weather Service outlawed this. It was depriving too many parts of the country of the wind they need, uh, particularly Nebraska, because if Oklahoma stops blowing, Nebraska can't suck enough to get the wind it needs. So, see, see, I, I, I made the mistake of thinking he was serious about this. So, I'm, I'm just going to sit back and enjoy the rest of it. My, my apologies. 
<laughs> well, now see, that's gonna now, now everyone's gonna think this that was all just a setup for this next item, and it really was totally a coincidence. Dave put this, yeah, uh, folks. Folks, we don't rehearse this. Dave put no. that on the list, and separately, uh, and we sort of had a hint of this. We had a, a sneak preview of this about three or four episodes ago when uh, Steve Tupper of the Airspeed Podcast was our guest in the virtual hangar, and he mentioned to us that he was compiling together a lot of the material from his podcast and turning it into a book, which he was going to self-publish. And we got a notification from um, this past week that say that he's actually completed the book now. Um, if you've ever listened to the Airspeed podcast, um, it's it's a great podcast, and it's it's kind of a little different from week to week. Some weeks it's an interview uh, with some notable aviation person. Uh, sometimes it is a, uh, a commentary that uh, Steve has written about some part of aviation. Sometimes he's written songs that he's put on the podcast. Uh, sometimes there are essays about um, one, of, one of my first, my first introduction was a story he wrote about taking your kids to the airport with you and introducing your kids to aviation. So there's a lot of different kinds of material Steve's put on the podcast over the uh, almost two years. And he's compiled the best of it uh, into a, a book, which is now available for sale. And uh, you might want to think about that as a Christmas present for someone. Um, Congratulations to Steve. And if you go to uh, airspeedonline.com, uh, you will find a link that takes you to the online service. It's, a, it's a, one of these uh, you know, print-on-demand books, I believe, that uh, you order it online, and they'll, they'll generate it for you and send it out. So, uh, well, and, and if you really, really want to give something, it'll make your pilot friend chuckle. Yeah, you know, you can always give them a lifetime subscription to uncontrolled airspace. Just That's sneak right. the link in on their computer, and so it downloads to their computer every week. and And after a couple of months, they'll be going, "Oh my God, what happened to my hard drive? It's loaded up with noisy stuff." <laughs> and then you can click on it and say, "See, this is the gift that keeps on giving." There you go, General Aviation Podcast. That's right. That's right. So maybe, I don't know if we have enough time before Christmas, but maybe we should kind of come up with a couple of ideas for uh, gifts for the pilot who has everything. But uh, but I like your, I, Jeb, I do like your idea. Go to the FBO desk, especially if your friend is a renter, but even if they're, you know, they need to buy gas and stuff. And, uh, buy them, a, buy them, you know, or get them a, you know, a, a debit card worth, you know, say 250 bucks or something like that. Help, yeah. help them fill up their gas tanks or yeah. something like, you yeah. know, it, it's, it's not, you know, it's not rocket science, yeah. but... There's well, so much other stuff out there that's hard to pick and choose. You you can pick up a sporties catalog and and go through it and get bewildered. But you know when it comes right down to it, flying time. Flying time. Uh, you know, there's a few little simple practical things. Uh, you know, if your uh, if your pilot uh, person flies with uh, an A and R headset that uses batteries. Mm-hmm. Uh, chuck up a couple of sets of rechargeables and a charger for them mm-hmm. so true. that they're not buying batteries endlessly to, to go in their A&R headsets. Uh, if they're constantly, if you're going with them on trips and they're constantly having to dash by the FBO or the pilot shop to pick up that chart for the trip, uh, you might consider giving them a subscription mm-hmm. to, uh, the, uh, you know, to the uh, VFR charts or the approach plates for the areas that you frequent most. Uh, just so they don't have to screw with it for the next year. Uh, yeah. There's some simple little things like that, but I can't imagine anything better than airtime or if they own their own airplane, uh, you know, a little gas toward $100 hamburgers. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you really want to get exotic, uh, you could uh, research some getaway destinations yep. where you could fly like uh, the uh, Hangar Cafe and Hotel down in Texas where you can fly in, stay at the hotel right there in a big old hangar on the premises, 
Uh, it's not the only destination like that. Beaumont, Kansas is like mm-hmm. that. Uh, you can fly in, taxi right to the hotel. Uh, you could uh, book yourselves a trip to a destination where, you know, it, it's not necessarily aviation related, but you set up the hotel rooms and uh, and 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 spring for the gas to uh, have your pilot take you someplace where the two of you want to go, mm-hmm. or the six or eight of you if there's a family involved. Yeah, and I hope you're flying a caravan. Yeah. Let's see. Moving on here, the uh, so here's the story I started to 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 get into a few minutes ago. This is another FAA story. Uh, it says uh, that the the headline. This is from AO. AOPA online, uh, no criminal penalties for accidental TFR violations. I don't know what to make of this story. <laughs> yeah, I know. Okay, well, so here's okay. the, let me read the first. Here, here's my question. Yeah, what what do they define as an accidental TFR right. aid is violation? Right. Or TFR? Here's the story. If you inadvertently run into a temporary flight restriction TFR, you could still be escorted from the area by a military aircraft and face FAA certif- certificate action, but you won't face criminal penalties because of a change in wording in security notums, AOPA had feared the FAA would seek criminal penalties against anyone who violated a TFR, even if the incursion was accidental, and called on the FAA to clarify its intentions. FAA acting administrator and soon-to-be permanent administrator Bobby Sturgill has set the record straight. So, Thank you, Mr. Sturgill. Yeah, but come on, this is a non-thing, right? I mean, when... No, it's not a non-thing. Were they really going to make them into criminal? I mean, you know, because the fact of the matter is you're in a big mess if you bust one of these TFRs. You, you bust you, one of these TFRs, you're in a big mess, but it bears right. remembering here. Bears oh, remembering here that in a post-9-11 world, that the FAA is not always the sole arbiter of how this stuff is handled in, in once it happens. Just like the FAA is not really in control of where TFRs go and when they go anymore. Yeah, right. Okay, That's Jeb, handled by outside agencies. All, all of this is true. Now, um, one thing we need to clarify here is um, what, in fact, the FAA is not going to do. Okay. Um, you know, our, our internal notes here that our readers can't really read is say, you know, FAA won't prosecute accidental TFR busts. Okay. Um, that's kind of a non sequitur in that, uh, and, and as we've discussed on the podcast before, there has never been an intentional TFR bust or an intentional ADIS bust. No. Um, there's never been a terrorist, an avowed terrorist, who been flying an airplane into a TFR or into the ADIS or the freeze. Putting all of that aside, um, there is then the issue of criminal versus civil or 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 um, uh, administrative violations, and there there has been in the past some discussion of criminalizing. Yes. Um, TFR busts, ADIS busts, etc. And um, I, I guess what I'm what I'm hearing is kind of some apples and oranges here. And I have to confess, I don't know enough about what the FAA has said here um, to um, uh, to really sort all this out. I can say this, uh, which is that um, in the past, and especially in the immediate—well, uh, I won't say the immediate aftermath—but the the first couple of years after 2001. Um, the uh, FAA's hands were kind of tied here. Um, they were under pressure from, shall we say, uh, um, higher authorities 
um, to make big deals out of TFR violations and specifically um, uh, ADAs and, and, and other um, sensitive security airspace violations, um, they had no choice um, uh, to, to, but to make um, big uh, administrative uh, actions out of these violations resulting in people having suspended uh, licenses for a couple of three months. Um, maybe even longer, depending on the circumstances or or the the um, on the number of times such a such a violation occurred. Um, in this instance, again, there there had been some discussion of uh, criminalizing this kind of thing. That was, uh, uh, I think, the outcry was sufficiently uh, loud that that idea has kind of gone by the wayside. That may be what we're talking about here. I don't want anybody to think uh, as a result of this discussion that uh, violating a TFR or violating the ADIS or, or something like that does not have consequences. Uh, well, it it does free. It ain't, this is not a freebie, folks. Um, this is not free. <clears throat> what we're talking about is the difference between an administrative action that the FAA might take on many other types of busts, an altitude bust, uh-huh. a class B bust, uh, a TFR bust kind of falls into that territory. But there had been enough publicity and enough political noise made that the FAA reiterated how important it was for pilots to know where TFR were and how to deal with them and to stay out of them without permission, as if anybody ever really gets permission. And then kind of reiterated the potential problems that a pilot could 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 be subject to up to and including criminal prosecution now that had always been there but the fact that they reasserted that and made it a little more uh of a point kind of like jeb said sounded some alarm bells uh without the clarification there were some aviation lawyers out there saying we don't know that you know the next TFR bust won't be the one that they don't decide to make an example of and haul a guy to court on criminal charges. And, and, and you got to remember, we've also got instances in Brazil of a criminal prosecution of what appears to be an innocent accident with the Brazilian Aviation Safety Authorities now determining that the pilots did not, of the, uh, of the legacy business jet, did not turn off or in render inoperative their transponder prior to the mid-air collision with a 737 that killed everybody on board. Uh, We've had a couple of attempts at criminal prosecution here in North America after accidents. Uh, I I don't want to quote specifics because I don't have the website in front of me, but uh, in in one instance, you know, a guy was accused of uh, crashing an airplane to uh, uh, kill somebody and and was taken, or and, and somebody died, and he was taken to court for uh, 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 criminal charges locally, for uh, uh, I believe it was uh, what do you call it, manslaughter. Right. Uh, and it's, you know, this stuff of you have an accident and you wind up facing criminal charges is a little bit unprecedented in aviation. Yeah. So when the FAA made it a little cloudy about a TFR bust. Uh, I think AOPA, NBAA, EAA, NATA rightfully, you know, waved a red flag and said, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. 
under what circumstances is this criminal? Right. Well, that's if the investigation determines that it was a deliberate penetration, if it was a penetration of a TFR or a freeze or a restricted area or the aid is with some kind of ill intent. Okay. Will they move it into the criminal ranks? But you bust a TFR, you bust a freeze, you bust a ADIS, uh, you better belong to AOPA Legal Services Program because you're apt to need a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're going to be grounded for a while because, yeah. I mean, possibly. I've heard stories of people who are still struggling through the bureaucracy a year later trying to. Uh, you know. I, I don't, yeah, I don't know about, you know, a year later. I, I know um, having lived in the D.C. area and having known some pilots in the D.C. area and having known some pilots who um, screwed up uh, while they were flying in the D.C. area. Um, yeah, uh, you can get uh, a significant uh, piece of your anatomy in a in a tight spot very quickly if you don't have uh, uh, some good concept of what you're doing. And and uh, you know part part and you know part A of all of this is get a briefing and specifically ask the briefer about TFRs along your route so that you at least have that on record. In case something pops up while you're airborne, that's right. Um, and It'll go do on the th- tape. Do that before you turn the key, um, so that when the guys in a black helicopter with the earpieces in their ear meet you at your destination and say, "Get out of the airplane and get on the ground," uh, you can eventually go back to them and say, "I did. I did everything I was supposed to do." That's right. And the uh, the fact is that there are web resources, uh, including the FAA and AOPA, uh, where you can see TFRs as they're in effect and uh, the ones that are planned and they're in the NOTAMs. And, you know, uh, I, I know everybody here that listens regularly has heard us uh, in the past do a little uh, uh, excoriating of flight service under the new management. Uh, no. Uh, no. If I... It, when I plan for a cross country, uh, I do ask flight service. I also check about three websites. Uh, that's not new. Yeah, that's not yep. new. That's recognition that sometimes the paperwork chain breaks down well, in I, any I, direction. But I, I would I, strongly advise today more than t- any other to avail yourself of all possible resources to make sure you don't stumble into one of these puppies. And then don't be shy about asking for updates because uh, these things can and have popped up with very little notice uh, after people have been in flight. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's when it pays to either be on flight following or an instrument flight plan. Mm -hmm. Because if you're motoring along squawking 1200 and not talking to anybody, uh, you're liable for the bust. You're liable to be actioned on the bust, even if you got a, a you know a, a it's all clear when you were still on the ground. All right. Last weekend, I uh, uh, was out doing uh, some uh, some work, work and some air work and some some you know just you know kind of trying to kill several birds with one stone, uh, kind of flying and um, sitting there, you know, getting ready to get in the airplane and and. The gentleman with me said, "You know, uh, has anybody talked to flight service today?" 
and you know, there's kind of some stunned looks, you know, around the around the ramp there. So, you know, at least let's figure out if there's any TFRs around here, just for you know grins and just in case. Oh yeah. And it, it was a great, you know, it was like okay, yeah. I mean, we were looking, we're we're somewhere in South Central Florida, and. Uh, the sky is blue, and the birds are singing, and it's a beautiful day, and the airplane's fine, and we got gas, and we got all this other stuff. But you never know, and it's always helpful to just, you know, give them a call and, and uh, you know, say, hey, you know, um, if I go in this direction at this altitude for this period of time, am I going to hit anything that I don't want to hit? Uh, and uh, it, it it doesn't cost anything, and and uh, it's 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 actually you pay for that service. You you you've already you're already paying for it now, and the costs of of not uh, making that phone call or not asking those questions are far greater. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, I used to have a friend out in, when I was flying out in California, and we would. Uh, he he was he was always very proud of the fact. You know, he'd say, "You want to go flying?" We say, "Sure, we'll go flying." He says, "Okay, where, where are we going to go?" And he'll go, "I don't know. We'll decide when we pass through pattern altitude." You know, because <laughs> and you could well, do that in California certainly back in those days because you know for six months of the year weather was a non-issue out there. I mean, you didn't have to like get a briefing for weather purposes because the weather was just a non-issue. And the other, you were almost always the airspace is actually relatively complex, so you're always talking to to ATC so you kind of sure. figure okay they're going to warn me off if anything's going you can't even count on that anymore these days as much as I love that kind of flying and encourage it uh, once I was above pattern altitude and you know and established a general quadrant for the flight uh, I'm going to be on the horn to flight service and say hi we're headed in this general direction and we may be going to this airport is there anything out there now that's this day and age yeah you know, before uh, September 10, 2001 and earlier, uh, we did that around here all the time. Where are we going? Oh, I don't know. Maybe we'll go out to Dodge. Uh, yeah. Maybe we'll go up to the steakhouse at Hutchinson or uh, uh, bop down to uh, uh, the downtown airport in Tulsa and, 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 and find that barbecue restaurant. Or uh, and Even then, I'd usually crank up you know, approach or center and say, hi, yeah. could I have flight <laughs> following? <laughs> All right. Well, we're and, and if it's St. And if it's St. Louis, they'll say, go away. You bother me. Once again, we're reaching the end of our allotted time here before we move on to shout outs. Any other subjects here we want to touch on before we uh, wrap this thing up? Let's check the list. Oh, just one quickie. What? A couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I ventured, you know, saying it's not too early to talk about Osh. Well, this week I want to say it's even not—it's even not too later to talk about Sun and Fun. And uh, Sun and Fun's coming up in April. Yep. And are you going to steal Jeb's thunder here? Go ahead. Nope. I was going to say there's a bigger actually, reason to go there this year than there's ever been. Well, I put it on the list, and Jeb put it gonna, on the list. I was going to so. say, I, I know Dave put it on the list, and I think Dave actually beat me by a day. I put it on the blog. Oh, that's uh, the difference. Okay, all right. Well, I, I, I'll give credit where credit is due. Go, Dave. Oh well, it's just uh, it, it doesn't matter which one of us, but uh, it's cool you know, new, news. One of you ought to say it before much longer. Thunderbirds yeah. coming to Sun and Fun. I know, cool, huh? Do and you know, it's been years. I, I've encouraged the Sun and Fun folks to kind of dredge up the last time we had the Sun and Fun uh, had Thunderbirds or Blue Angels, either one, fly down there. But if memory serves me, it's probably been close to twenty years. 
Mm-hmm. Now, do we know yet which days they're going to be there? They're not going to be there the whole week, right? They're supposed to be there the majority of the week. The majority of the and, week, yeah. I mean, let me go check. Uh, and they're performing the 12th and the 13th, I believe it is. Oh, okay, so that, that's what I meant, that which days are they going to be performing? The last, uh, the, the Saturday and Sunday of the show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll read from the press release. They're going to be down release. there earlier. Yeah. Jim, yeah. what does it say? I'll, I'll read from the press release. And this was um, sent by, sent out by Donna Brazil, uh, uh, who was, I'm sorry, Gabriel. Gabriel. Who, yeah, thank you. Who was, <laughs> man. Yeah. You still I, 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 I know. I, 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 yeah. I, it's the nice weather. You're being lulled into a sense. You're losing right. all of your... <laughs> Um, the Thunderbirds plan to arrive at Sun and Fun during the early portion of the fly-in and remain through the remainder of the week. Quote, they may engage in individual media flights and possibly a team orientation flight prior to their scheduled performances on Saturday and Sunday, April 12 and 13. Now, I don't know about the Thunderbirds. I know the Blue Angels typically actually do their routine for the two or three days prior to the official performances. I wonder, if they'll, I wonder if they'll be practicing the routine even on well, days when they're not. There will be what they call an orientation practice or an orientation yeah. flight. Right, because they need to learn the area, learn the geography, or refresh their memory of the geography. Oh, well, the, you know, uh, this, all these routines are dependent on, uh, on, on, on stopwatch and landmarks. Landmarks, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, you know, every time they go to a new location, which is effectively every week, uh, then the, uh, the landmarks are new. They're yeah. different. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the neat things about, you know, hearing that they're coming to Sun and Fun is that there are far more airports and air shows in this country that are unable to host a team like the Birds or uh, uh, the Angels or uh, the Canadian Snowbirds or, or, or whomever uh, because of population constraints and airspace constraints. Uh, if there's too much housing or, 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 or development built up around the airport where they need clear air, where they need clear run, these teams won't come. Uh, that's why, unfortunately, we don't see those teams perform as full acts their regular routine at Air Venture. Right. Now we did have, you know, we did have the the Angels there uh, a year before at at at, uh, at Oshkosh, but you know, it was a it was the number seven airplane. That's the tandem seater. It flew some demo rides. Uh, the two crewmen uh, that. Uh, that came in, uh, uh, you know, met people, shook hands, signed autographs, all the great stuff. And then the rest of the team showed up in transit from another show, and the number, C, number seven plane joined up with them, and they did a few low passes and flew out. But the low passes were the same category that we see a lot of other aircraft do. To do their full-blown routine, they need more clear area than is available. And fortunately, uh, Lakeland still has that space available to the east and west of uh, 927. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, if you're thinking about coming to Sun and Fun, uh, Lakeland this year is going to have the T-Birds there for most of the week. Yeah, it's going to be great. And we're hoping to be down there. Uncontrolled Airspace is hoping to be down there again this spring to... Uh, oh, they have invited us? They, they, they have invited us. us into whatever we we, we will be there. Yeah, we'll we, be there. We're we, working on a couple of different ideas with Mr. Shaw better already. That's right. That's right. So let's see now. Another little uh, shout-out I've got here is, uh, so this is regarding the annual, it's, it's Christmas time, uh, and uh, 
uh, for years, uh, I, you know, I almost thought it was half a joke about NORAD being involved with tracking Santa Claus uh, on Christmas Eve. But apparently, I'm so this glad is, you did this now. This, this is a little bit more uh, a, a complex story. There's a little bit more to this story than I realized. I found this item in the official Google blog. This is from Google, the uh, the search website. Um, and uh, a particular person who contributes this blog, a woman by the name of Carrie Farrell writes this in the blog. It's called Tracking Santa Then and Now. And she tells this story, and I you know, I guess I'll take her at face value here, but it sounds like... I'll read the first paragraph. It was more than half a century ago on Christmas Eve in 1955 that a Sears, Roebuck, and Company store in Colorado Springs advertised a special hotline number for kids to call Santa. What the company didn't know at the time was that they had inadvertently misprinted the telephone number. Instead of Santa's workshop, the phone number put kids through to North America American Aerospace Defense Command, NORAD, the uh, bi-national U.S.-Canadian military organization responsible for the aerospace defense of the U.S. and Canada. Worse, it wasn't just any number at NORAD, it was the Commander-in-Chief's Operations Hotline. All right, that sounds a little implausible to me, but that's the story they're telling here. So apparently this went to, went through to a gentleman by the name of Colonel Harry Shoup. Uh, Paging Matthew Broderick. Who, yeah, that's right, who, uh, who apparently took this all in good spirits and... Uh, and started talking to the kids and giving them updates, and from that was born uh, somewhat of a tradition where NORAD gets involved with uh, with helping kids uh, celebrate the Christmas season and the Christmas spirit. And uh, they then I guess with a website over the years, and and, and I don't know if they've been doing this in recent years, but this year, anyways, um, Google is getting involved with this with uh, NORAD, and they're putting together some online uh, some online attractions for kids to track Santa on Christmas Eve. Uh, apparently, they're going to do some mashups with Google Maps and Google Earth and other Google technologies and YouTube and whatnot. And uh, you'll be able to go to a special website uh, on uh, actually not just Christmas Eve, but in many of the days leading up to Christmas. To, yeah, it's, uh, already, it's already operating. Lots of kids' activities there and apparently daily game that kids can participate in to help enjoy the Christmas season. And it sounds kind of cool. And that's uh, the uh, Tracking Santa by way of NORAD uh, thing. We'll put that link in the uh, in the. Uh, Show notes, but apparently the link is uh, simply Norad Santa, one word, noradsanta.org, O-R-G. Dave, it sounds like you're familiar with this. Do you? Uh, yeah, the uh, it, it, it's one of the more uh, one of the more sentimental little pieces of uh, uh, aviation trivia uh, that I, I learned about years ago. So is that story accurate to, to your yes. knowledge? Uh, to my knowledge, that's the way the story was first told to me. Uh, when I was pretty green and wet behind the winglets uh, in, in aviation journalism uh, almost 30 years ago uh, by a good friend of mine at uh, the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association, Charlie Spence. And uh, Charlie was the vice president of communications, wonderful guy, as coincidence would have us in life these days. He'd actually gone to high school with my mother. And uh, 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 Charlie was telling me about the... Uh, the uh, uh, Santa's hotline that had grown up, and it had kind of, uh, in the same spirit of the uh, the post office gathering up mail addressed to Santa Claus at the North Pole, you know, that uh, instead of dumping them in the dead letter box, uh, giving them to uh, volunteer groups and, and postal workers that uh, will answer the letters uh, and, and send back a postcard. Uh, the folks in Santa Claus, Indiana, that run a year-round operation, so you can get mail postmarked Santa Claus land, things like that. Uh, 
the uh, you know the colonel on duty. When you think of this, 1955, and the Cold War was you know yeah. headed toward full boil, and NORAD was a new operation, intercontinental ballistic missiles and and, and nuclear warheads and duck and cover and all that stuff. Uh, it was deadly serious business that NORAD was engaged in in those days, and uh, uh, for for this colonel. To just take it on to, we're going to answer the kids' questions. We're going to make their night. Uh, I, I just think it's fabulous. Uh, you know, for anybody that doesn't have a, a, a warm, fuzzy feeling about folks in the military, uh, this is one of those stories that just belies that completely. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not sure if I mentioned this when I was telling the story, but um, the connection between Carrie Farrell at Google uh, and Colonel Shoup is that Colonel Shoup is her grandfather. Yes, and uh, that's what prompts her to tell the story and to uh, to uh, you know talk this up on the Google blog. One one other thing, I've in the past you know kind of hit the NORAD website you know just to see what's up and and uh, you know poked around a little bit. Um, the NORADSanta.org site is a couple of light years beyond anything I've ever seen them do. Uh, hats off to them. Um, uh, this is just really neat stuff, and uh, uh, I'm glad to see uh, um, some people getting into the spirit of the season other than uh, um, trying to make brownie points uh, in some other ways. So that's that's very refreshing. And, and, brownie points uh, and share points. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, I mean, very refreshing and, and uh, uh, very well, very much respected. So and and very great, you know, thought about. When the kids are bouncing all over the place Christmas Eve and you don't think they're ever going to go to bed, park them in front of the computer in their bedroom or in the den or something, pull uh-huh. up NORADSanta.org, get it rolling, and uh, I guarantee you they're just going to be thrilled to see Santa headed in their direction and quicker than you can say, make hot chocolate. They're going to be crashed, and you can go back to work putting together that bicycle that you mm-hmm. don't know how to bolt together. There you together, go. So. There you go. <laughs> Any Tab other? A into slot B. Any other uh, shout-out? There out? will be a declaration of uh, uh, the uh, uh, approval to fly for Santa and the reindeer from the mm-hmm. FAA uh-huh. uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Here, here in the next few days. Uh, also an annual thing where the... Uh, Make sure he's got uh, all his logbook sign-offs and uh, all well, that Well, yeah, I mean, this is a 121 operation, or, I mean, a 125 cargo operation. So, That's right. Uh, but, but, but there's one thing I would like to request, however, uh, and I urge all of our listeners to please do not send us the email that goes around every year uh, where the examiner and Santa get in the sleigh and the examiner's carrying a shotgun and um, says, you know, look, I'm not supposed to tell you this, but you're going to lose one on takeoff. We, we don't want to see that email. Okay? No, we, we, we've seen that one before. I had um, forgotten about that. Well, okay. and, and, you know, for Santa, to teach. for Santa, it's a little bit like the B-52 pilot, you know, asking for priority <laughs> handling. And the uh, F-16 pilot who's low on fuel, who's uh, uh, requested priority handling, being told he's second in line behind the B-52 with an engine out, and he comments back, oh, yeah, the dreaded seven-engine landing. So uh, (laughs) Santa's kind of in the same boat if he loses one (laughs) on takeoff. Any other shout-outs before we wrap this thing up? Uh, Ho, ho, ho. Ho, 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 and... uh 
Uh, yeah, we're you know, it's just um, um, looking forward to uh, the season and uh, kind of excited about, you know, sun and fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're going to be, be that's going to be kind of neat. We're, we're going to be back one more time before. I think we'll, well technically you know, we'll be back one time before Christmas, in. but some people don't get yeah. a chance to listen right away. So I wanted to make sure right. we covered some of this stuff. But, but Gloria, we're do this interest. early enough next week so that you got it in time to listen to on Christmas Eve. That's right. That's and, right. Yes, Gloria Winters, uh, if you know who Gloria Winters is, was. Uh, uh, send us an email, and you could first be the one, recipient of the first a swell prize, or, or one of the first one out of the first batch. That's right, that? a swell right. prize, a swell prize. And if you want, we'll even you know ship it around to one another and autograph it with nothing obscene. That's right. That's right. Yeah, but that's that. Nothing obscene costs extra. <laughs> <laughs> You can learn more about Jeb and his work at his website, jebburnside.com, also aviationsafetymagazine.com and avweb.com, Dave Higdon at davehigdon.com, and myself at jackhodgson.com and aroundthefield.net. And check out all of our activities at the uncontrolledairspace.com website. So thanks, everyone, for joining us in the virtual hangar this week, and we'll talk to you all again next time. Stay out of the ice, folks. TTFM. TTFM.